0: This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by NetSuite, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to- use cloud platform. Download their free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits today at netSuite.com/fool. It's Tuesday, September 3rd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. joining me in Studio, the one and only, Jason Moser. Happy September.
1: Yeah, man, I, I can't believe it is September. That's pretty crazy, isn't it?
0: No, I checked the calendar and everything. It really is September.
1: I yeah, I mean school's back in session. The kids are already complaining about it, wanting summer to come back. I mean, we're just in it is it is I like the change in seasons. I yeah. do enjoy fall. It's it's uh it's a good time.
0: Yeah, Dunkin' Donuts time. breaking out those pumpkin spice munchkins. I'm in favor of that.
1: <laughs> those are uh, good.
0: We're going to talk sports betting. Um, we're definitely going to talk about Hurricane Dorian. Um, let's start with something that happened last Friday, though. we got a bunch of email and tweets about this. And this is Ulta Salon. And on Friday, the stock fell 28%. Um, the second quarter results looked good. Yeah. Um, they cut guidance for the full fiscal year. And I'm wondering was it that bad or was the stock just that expensive or was it something else entirely
1: um i think a th- I think a fair combination of the two probably is the best answer there i'm glad you you mentioned that the quarter itself was good because it was a good quarter i mean i guess technically they missed expectations by a tiny bit um but you know who cares about that really you're talking about sales up 12% comps up 6.2% earnings per share grew 12.2%. I mean, it was a good quarter. Uh, really, it was the guidance that I think freaked the market out. And for the most part, I mean, you can't guide back the way they did and expect the market to not react. I mean, they they took earnings per share guidance uh, back significantly. And when I say significantly, it was in a range between $12.83 to $13.03. They pulled that all the way back to a range of $11.86 to $12.06. So, pretty significant guide back there. And the stock was not cheap by conventional uh, metrics. I mean, it was trading at around 40 times earnings before this happened. Uh, now, there's a reason why it trades at 40 times earnings, or it did. I mean, because it had been performing so well up to this point. Uh, now, you've got this stock trading at around 20 times full year estimates. The revisions, uh, it certainly looks a bit more interesting now than it did uh, last week.
0: I want to go back to the same store sales for a second because, as you said, I mean those are—they're north of six percent for all of the retailers we've been talking about over the last month or so on this show and on Motley Fool Money. A lot of them would kill to have same store sales north of six <laughs> percent. But that was the thing that struck me in the guidance. It was not just the the the. Uh, you know the revenue number, or the was it revenue or earnings that they they ratchet back by a dollar a share. Well, it was, it earnings. was earnings, yeah. It was earnings. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't just that; it was the fact that they lowered full year same store sales from six percent to four percent. Yeah, which means that having just put up more than six percent, the and we're halfway through the fiscal year, so clearly they are warning Wall Street. The next couple of comp numbers that you see are going to be, I mean, I don't think they'll be negative. That would be probably pretty shocking if they were just flat out negative. But certainly, they're probably going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of like two to three percent.
1: More than likely, I think. And I mean, I, I do. I feel like this is a, a misstep on management's part. I mean, I don't want to throw. CEO Mary Dillon under the bus, because I'm sure this wasn't solely her fault. But the the fact is, they did a poor job of really managing expectations here, because that is such a significant uh, a guide down. Now, I, I do think the good news out of all of this, it really does appear that it is less a business thing and more of a, a general market thing. In other words, it's not an Ulta specific problem uh, as much as it is a problem with headwinds in the cosmetics space writ large. Right? I mean, we're talking about uh, all sorts of companies that are having trouble in the cosmetics space right now, and cosmetics represents about fifty percent of Ulta's overall business, so it matters. Um, now, what is what is the cause of the of the headwinds in this space? She seems to believe it is more about hitting a sort of a lull in innovation and newness and products. I mean, there is there is sort of this this lull right now in in innovation in the space, and they've they've done a lot in a short period of time since she took over. Uh, and, and the space now has has hit a lull. But when we talk about this space, I mean, I want investors need to remember this is a. Big market opportunity. I mean, it is a global market opportunity, and all in, you're talking about. I mean, the U.S. beauty products and salon services industry is. It represents about 145 billion dollars in sales, according to Ibis World and, uh, and EuroMonitor. So, I mean. billion, and you break that down in all of these different markets, whether it's cosmetics or salon or whatever. And that's the nice part about Ulta's business it is diversified away from just cosmetics. I mean, it is more things. Uh, Granted, cosmetics is a big part of the business. Uh, So, with all of that said, there are reasons to believe that they will be able to recover from this. I mean, this is one of the leaders in the space. When we talk about innovating, this is a company that is leading the way when it comes to innovation. Um, so, I, I don't think this is something where investors need to be concerned that we have a business that's falling off a cliff or getting ready to get Amazoned, uh, as much as it is a company just in a, in a market right now that's you know witnessing some headwinds.
0: Last Thursday, the stock was at three hundred thirty-seven dollars a share. Right now, it's at. Two hundred thirty-three. It was a big. Do you buy at this price?
1: Uh, okay, listen. I'll be very clear. This is a recommendation in in our augmented reality service. It's a business that I, I like. This business a lot. I mean, I don't know probably as much about makeup as I should. But I've learned a lot in the process of researching this business. And I do live in a house full of women. So, I mean, that helps. I get at least some insight as to what's going on in the space. One thing I do see with companies like this, and we're seeing it more and more, is that partnerships matter a lot. Uh, partnerships with well-known people, celebrities, uh, and so for example, you see this uh, relationship that they've formed with Kim Kardashian West, and this KKW Beauty by Kim Kardashian West is coming to Alta um, here in the back half of the year. That's a relationship that I think stands to to help the company out. Um, we talked, I think, a little while back about Amazon and how they formed a relationship with Lady Gaga as as they make uh, their their foray into into this this space uh you look at how important this kim kardashian thing could be i mean she's got 147 million instagram followers i mean 147 million uh, you know that's staggering lady gaga 37 million now i mean i don't use instagram i just researched those numbers this morning but to me that's 147 versus 37, man. That's a big difference, okay. So when you form relationships with people that have that kind of reach, I think they, uh, those types of relationships, help businesses like Ulta on the innovation side for sure, and and you can market to the entire world because so many people care about what these celebrities are using, the products that they're using, and so. Again, I mean, I I think personally this is an opportunity to buy a good business at a at a at a sale price. I mean, it it may not get back to that forty multiple anytime soon, but this is not a retailer that's getting Amazon. It's not a bad business. It's a good business that's in a bit of a tough stretch, and they made a misstep on the on the guidance part of it. But I think that opens a window for investors.
0: Yeah, that was one of the things I was thinking was you know every once in a while we'll talk about a company that. 4 to 6 weeks before their quarterly results are due to be made public they will come out and issue some sort of guide down and we'll see a stock drop 10% or something like this that, yeah. you know that kind of warning and you know this is a nice reminder of this is the kind of thing that can happen if you don't do that because every <laughs> once in a while someone will be like well why did they guide down why didn't they you know they got a little time to turn it around it's like yeah because if they don't and it doesn't turn around then this kind of this kind of thing happens.
1: Yeah. And I mean, again, it I hate the expectations thing. I mean, I just prefer companies to not even play that game if you don't have to. But I understand some are going to because they more or less have to or feel like they have to. I mean, this was clearly a mismanaged number on their part. But I mean, the flip side to that is sometimes it. Can benefit investors in the form of opportunities. Um, it's all about recognizing bad businesses versus good businesses in a tough time. And I think you know, in Alta's case, it's clearly the latter. There, I mean, this this is something that uh, they'll recover from. This, I think, no problem.
0: Uh, As we speak, Hurricane Dorian is now a Category 2 storm. Um, Warnings have been issued for Florida, Georgia, South Carolina later in the week, expected to, uh, at least on its current path, uh, hit on North Carolina and Virginia. And uh, For anyone listening who is in any of those areas, please, Please get out of the way of the storm. Please do what you need to do. Yeah. Um, uh, and we've, we've already heard from uh, some of our colleagues who are, who are dealing with this. So um, everybody stay as safe as possible. Um, I, I wanted to. Get your thoughts on this because, you know, one of the stories this morning was uh, the publicly traded cruise stocks—Royal Caribbean, Carnival Cruise Line—those stocks down a bit um, as they're going to feel an economic impact from this. Uh, the home improvement stocks, Home Depot and Lowe's, uh, down a little bit today, more so than the market. And I, I just sort of looked at those two categories and thought, well, if I'm thinking about extreme weather. Um, rising over the next 10 to 20 years. I sort of feel like home improvement stocks are more of a buy signal than cruise stocks. Um, But when we were chatting earlier, you mentioned uh, A third category that I hadn't thought of when thinking about any kind of extreme weather, and that's insurers.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, yeah, when you talk about the home home improvement sector, I mean, Home Depot and Lowe's are just two businesses that I think are going to be around for the rest of our days. Um, Those are those are companies that you really can't just own and and almost forget about owning them because they're just going to continue to serve a massive market opportunity there. Um, And then when it comes to insurers, I mean, insurers really are. I mean, those are the companies that help us manage through these times. I mean, whether you're a homeowner or a renter, or you know, you just you have a car. I mean, you have to have insurance for virtually everything major that you're doing in your life, and so um, it's another market that I don't think is going to be you know disrupted ever. I mean, there's just there there we have needs for insurance in our lives, and so I mean, I think that the thing that people want to make sure of when they're looking at insurance companies, and this has just been my experience, I think you just always have to go with the bigger, more reputable companies in the space. They're the ones that are built to be able to handle massive catastrophes like Dorian for example or any of the number of storms or earthquakes or whatever may happen those are the companies that have the financial resources to be able to deal with these um, issues I mean I, I there are many nightmares I am sure in regard to people trying to file claims and dealing with their insurance company as they recover and I think that's just part and parcel of the business I mean that's going to be just the way that is unfortunately I wouldn't let that deter you from necessarily investing in an insurer though and I mean Berkshire Hathaway clearly we talk about the company a lot I think travelers is another one that really has a stellar reputation in the space. Um, and listeners probably remember I did work there for a year. I mean, it's a very good business. Um... And so I think that uh, you know, from that perspective, it's it's always worth considering. But I, I think that you have to make sure you're going with the insurers that that are big and reputable and, and specialize in this kind of stuff. And, and I'll I'll throw a little uh, a shout out there for a buddy of mine who works at Traveler still. And ironically, his name is Dorian <laughs> Dorian Win. Uh, but Dorian is going to jump on an episode of Industry Focus here with me soon, uh, and we're going to talk about uh, this type of, of of thing. I mean, Dorian is a a Catastrophe claims adjuster in in Georgia, and he specializes in hurricane preparations and evacuations. Uh, So he has seen a lot of this stuff. And and the purpose of the interview is really going to hopefully help people figure out how to approach these things before this type of thing happens and then how to deal with the aftermath and and getting your life back in order because certainly he's seen seen his fair share. Um, And again, having been at Travelers for the time that I was there, I mean, you, you just see how well run insurers operate. And we had to deal with, you know, insurers that were not so well run, and you'd see a big difference there. Um, it, it's a market that is going to continue to exist for, for many, many uh, decades to come. Um, so, yeah, I think I think insurers are kind of a no brainer.
0: Make sure you're flexible on when you time this uh, recording of the interview, because something tells me he's going to be pretty busy for the next
1: <laughs> few weeks. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I do think he is going to be very busy. But um, you know, again, it, it's interesting to see how these storms and these natural disasters play out, because at the time we're seeing it, and and we see the impact that it has um, at the local level. But then you have to pan back a little bit and look at it from the national level, and you realize that nationally speaking, it's not as impactful. Thankfully, to to the the U.S. economy on a national scale, certainly local, obviously it's a big deal. But it's interesting to see the difference between property damage versus actual lost output, and I think that I mean the property damage is by far and away the biggest loss when it comes to these types of events. Lost output—it's not nearly as great, and part of that is because ultimately that output comes back around. It's more or less just delayed, and so I think that's important to remember: is that while you know a lot of those big numbers really are due to property damage, the lost output isn't so big, uh, and it does come back. Which means that when you see these headlines going on, uh, there you're going to see some stocks take a little bit of a dip there, and and you can feel pretty good knowing that they will come back around because that output does eventually uh, get back in, in. In place, it just is delayed a little bit. If you don't know your
0: numbers, you don't know your business. And the problem that growing businesses have is that patchwork quilt of business systems. That's what keeps them from knowing their numbers. They've got one system for accounting, another for sales, another for inventory. It's a big mess. It's inefficient. It takes too much time, too many resources, and that hurts the bottom line. And That's where NetSuite by Oracle comes in. It's the business management software that handles every aspect of your business. In an easy to use cloud platform, NetSuite gives you the visibility and control that you need to grow. And with NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, accounting, orders, and HR instantly right from your desktop or phone. And that's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. And right now, NetSuite's offering you valuable insights with a free guide seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com/fool that's netsuite.com/fool to download your free guide 7 key strategies to grow your profits
1: who doesn't want to grow their profits everybody wants to grow their profits come on it's
0: free go to netsuite.com/fool college football season kicked off this past weekend uh, the NFL kicks off Thursday night and maybe not surprisingly sports betting is on the rise <laughs> especially in New Jersey which i learned this morning thanks to the Wall Street Journal new jersey just surpassed nevada in monthly sports bets, and that's a little surprising when you consider it's been a little over a year that New Jersey legalized sports betting. And it's less surprising when you learn that eighty percent of the bets that are placed in New Jersey are placed online.
1: Yeah, well, and even more so, it's mobile, right? It's it's not about Jersey; it's about that phone that you have in your pocket. And I mean, listen, I feel like this. This is basically just like the marijuana market. I think that you cannot stop it. The only way Is is to look forward and be a part of it. If you sleep on this and you're not a part of it, then you're going to be missing out on opportunity here. Those that get in early will help shape the space, and they'll benefit greatly from it. And we will see these more and more states continue to legalize stuff like this because ultimately consenting adults are going to get what they want to get. And now you basically open Pandora's box here. You can't put it back in, Um, or the toothpaste is out of the tube. However you want to put it, Chris. We can use all sorts of. Sayings here to get the point across. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think I'm not the biggest gambler in the world. I mean, like, I enjoy uh, forking over a few bucks to play fantasy football every year just because it keeps the season interesting and it's, you know, relatively easy to do. Um, but I, I, I do understand and I appreciate the concerns in regard to uh, gambling and, and making it easier, in, in that it's going to hasten those who may uh, be. Developing a problem, it's going to help them develop that problem a lot more quickly. No question, because if you just place a bet by just you know going onto your phone, I mean it's the same thing as ultimately what e-commerce has done for us. I mean it's a lot easier now to buy anything you want whenever you want, and in most cases, you know you're not handing over any cash or or using a credit card to swipe. The action of giving something away is not there, which. Can be very dangerous. Uh, what was it? I think? One show we even talked about was it drunk shopping. Well, <laughs> we were talking about people come home all hammered from a night of having fun, and then they start perusing Amazon. Yeah, <laughs>
0: Amazon, sort of the the hidden winner in
1: <laughs> yeah. alcohol consumption. I mean, I could see where something like this, you know, that that's going to be an effect. That's going to be a, that's going to be sort of a byproduct of this, and that's going to be something that we need to figure out how to handle. And and you want to keep an eye on on the people that are close to you in your life, so that you can. Uh, try to help them if they need it. Um, But, the bottom line is, it's not going to stop. And I think investors need to approach it from that position.
0: I like the comparison you made to the marijuana industry, because I think it's apt in a couple of ways, one of which is, we're in the early stages here. and If someone wants to stand up and point to a public company and say, this company is absolutely going to be a big winner in this space, please feel free to do so. But Mm -hmm. right now, when you look at the number of states that are considering legislation to legalize sports betting in some way, and by the way, the number of states just in this year alone, according to the Journal, 18 states this year alone, Brought up legislation and it got shot down. So I think you're right. This is not going to go away, but I think that there is enough trepidation about it that there are a bunch of states willing to say, we're not doing this here. But I think that as they wrestle with this issue, one of the things it's important for investors to recognize that one of the things that states are wrestling with is the balance between mobile betting and in person betting. Yeah, because it's easier in some ways to sort of track construction jobs, etc., all that sort of thing, to um, in-person locations, uh, than it is to just uh, sort of say, "Oh, we're going to go ahead and approve this app," and or anyone who wants to throw an app open, they can do it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think. One of the things that I think will probably come from this, that it should ultimately be a good thing, I think, is that as mobile betting continues to take share, mobile betting is ultimately you fund that through you know a payment provider, like you you pay via you know any of the number of different. Payment providers that are out there, whether it's Square or PayPal or Mastercard or Visa or whatever you're using, I mean, there's there's an electronic transaction that's that's being that's being recorded as opposed to just going to the local casino or local you know shop and throwing down some cash for a wager and there's really no record of it going forward. So I mean, I think there you know we talk about all of the benefits that data offer, and I mean, I think there's going to be data that comes from all of this that will help shape the space, and and hopefully it will also help. Individuals in in maintaining their sanity and not letting this get out of hand and become too big of a problem. But um, I mean, that's that's why yeah, very early stages. And when people ask me about this market and the companies that I like in it, I mean, I I do fall back to those payment companies because regardless of win or lose i mean that money's got to get from point a to point b and and the companies that are out there facilitating that process um you know they 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 know what they're doing they do it really well and so those are the ones that i tend to fall back on
0: what's the name of your fantasy
1: football team Oh, Chris. Well, so I'm in two leagues this year, and and I had to keep it simple. I'm not getting any younger, so I didn't want to remember too many names. Um, so it's a little tip of the cap to, to where we work here. I am the TMF stock pickers. Nice. But I will say it's stock spelled S-T-A-W-K. Right. So it's a little play on the word. It's okay. You know, it's most it's it's supposed to make me feel more confident and feel like I have a little bit more street cred. You know, an intimidation factor. When people feel like they've got me on their on their matchup that week, they're going to see the name and maybe think, "Ooh, man, he spells it differently, so he must be good." We'll see. I usually suck at it, but you know, it's fun anyway.
0: Same name in both leagues. Yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. That's yeah.
1: Very different teams, though. I will say, I employed a very wide receiver friendly draft this go around. I mean, I just focused on getting as many wide receivers as I could because. You know, you're starting at least two, if not three, and you got that flex position, so I mean it's it's a passing league now for sure.
0: Good luck. Thanks. Jason Moser, thanks for being here. You got it. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's gonna do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.